0: The views and opinions expressed in the following podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the producers, the affiliates, or digital platforms hosting this podcast. All content is for the purposes of education, conjecture, and at times, entertainment. We promote inclusiveness and diversity. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Into the Deep with Jay Cast. the Deep. I'm Jay Costa. I am so honored to host today's guest. He's a two-time best-selling author. He's the founder and CEO of Forbidden Knowledge. He's an expert in ancient civilizations. Today's guest is Billy Carson. He's the author of the best-selling book, The Compendium of the Emerald Tablets, as well as his newest best-selling book, Woke Doesn't Mean Broke. Billy also recently launched Forbidden Knowledge TV, Forbidden Knowledge TV is a new conscious streaming TV network available on all major platforms. He's also the co-host of Biohack Your Best Life podcast, and he's also an expert host on Gaia TV's Deep Space as well as Ancient Civilizations. We talk about so much in this episode, Billy shared a real personal story about his encounter experience and how that's led him down this path of learning about ancient advanced civilizations To help humanity rediscover who we truly are where we come from and where we're going we talk about financial literacy how we can help free people from this mental and physical bondage billy believes that this could lead us into a new golden age that maybe could even sustain itself he's a true renaissance man in every sense and i was so honored to have him as a guest so join me as we seek light and journey into the deep with Billy Carson. Enjoy. Billy, thank you so much for joining me, man. Really means a lot. No problem.
1: I'm glad to be here.
0: Absolutely. Uh, For those watching and those listening, would you mind sharing who you are and what it is you do, my friend?
1: Sure. Well, (laughs) the short answer (laughs) is... uh, (laughs) is that, you know, I alter future realities in the third dimension by creating ripples in space time. Uh, But the long answer is I'm I'm a two-time bestselling author. Uh, I I wrote a book that's a bestseller in ancient civilizations called Compendium of the Emerald Tablets. I'm also an expert or considered an expert, at least in financial literacy. And I wrote a financial literacy book called Woke Doesn't Mean Broke, which also became a bestseller. I own the Forbidden Knowledge TV Network, which is a streaming TV platform at over 5,000 shows, and I'm also a producer. I'm producing documentaries, TV shows, movies. I also write uh, different scripts for shows, and I'm also a music producer, and I've got music licensed globally as well as on TV shows and documentaries and and movies, and I'm a lecturer and a a teacher, and I do a lot of workshops and lectures on topics such as ancient, ancient civilizations, technology, esoteric wisdom, consciousness, and even physics.
0: Man you are a true renaissance man. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> you really are. You got your hands in all kinds of things and yeah. it's awesome. So if you don't mind me asking, what got you on this trajectory?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's all really started back. Uh, you know, so it's a really good question. Going all the way back to Miami, we, I was born in New York first. Like I was born in Queens General Hospital God. And then uh, lived in Cambridge Heights for a short period of time. Moved to Miami. My family moved to Miami, I should say, in the seventies, was nineteen seventy seven. And I was in um, I was in the back my backyard at my house, just literally watching airplanes go over. We li- we lived next to a private airport, and uh, it was so it was like really amazing to see these planes go over. And it, they would move so slow, but I knew in my mind it had to be going fast to fly. So I'd sit out there for hours. I mean, there was no TV right back then. It was no, you know, four channels on TV, no cable, no, Thanks. no cell phones, no, no all day cartoon network <laughs> video games didn't exist yet. Uh, so you had to go outside. And so I would just go outside and do things. And, and then that one day, one, one special day, this object came across my backyard and it wasn't a plane. As far as I could tell, it it wasn't a, a conventional, what we call a UFO in terms of the, a disc, but it was more, Oval shaped, not a full, some people call cigar, but this was really an elongated disc, the best I can describe it. uh And it didn't have a cockpit, didn't have wings, a tail fin. Uh, I just knew that in my understanding of, of what an airplane was, it didn't look like it. But it cleared the horizon in seconds. It went straight across, right across, no sound. Even from my position on the ground with those planes being, I don't know, now I can estimate probably 20,000 feet up as they're getting coming up from the airport. Uh, ten to 20,000 feet, very low as they're getting ready to gain their alt- altitude, they had a lot of noise. This thing had no noise. It came back, and then it just stopped, like, almost directly above me, not that high above me either, maybe 300, 400 meters, and then it just was gone again the way that it came in, and I was like, what did I just see? And uh, the word alien didn't exist in my vocabulary yet, the words UFO didn't exist, flying saucer didn't exist. Uh, I had no no context. Right. All I can know, all I could think of was technology. And so the next day, I went to my school, Rainbow Park Elementary, right down the street. I think we were like five houses away from the school. I went to the school and went straight into the uh, teacher. I said, "Look, I have to go to the library. My father wants me to, to look up something. You know, a book report. I was always doing book reports anyway. So I figured if I'm going to do a book report, I'm going to do something I like, <laughs> not the stuff he'd been giving me. So I went and got all the Encyclopedia Britannicas on aerospace." And I started looking up aerospace technology. I was looking at Delta wings, swept wings, you know, uh, the Harrier uh, type craft that they were working on before Harrier, before the UK even released them. They were doing prototypes. I was looking at those. I was looking at uh, manned levitation units that use jets and and, uh, and and rotors to act- actually elevate men inside this thing that looked like a cart. I was looking for anything that I could find that could show me what I saw in the sky and I didn't find it. But that took me down the rabbit hole into technology. And from technology, that ended up, you know, making me kind of like a quasi-aerospace historian. And I started, you know, really researching what I saw. And then eventually, it ended up taking me into the ancient civilizations. So it was a weird journey. Wow.
0: that's yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. Do you, do you remember what that tipping point was, what that catalyst was, where, you know, going from some of this technology going to ancient civilizations? Mm-hmm. Do you remember what it was specifically or...?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it was a very strange, (laughs) a very strange experience, which I finally went public with, you know, a few years ago. And it was around 2010. I was working on this huge project. This project was featured on the History Channel. It's it's an underground base that I built, um, you know, and uh, it it sounds like I'm like one of those prepper guys, but I am. (laughs) Uh, And so this base was, you know, to save the lives of 360 people in case of a global disaster or a regional disaster. I wish I could have uh, had it ready, uh, you know, in terms of like staffing uh, for like Hurricane Katrina victims and things like that. But I didn't uh-huh. at that time. It was uh, I didn't have enough man staff. But however, this thing did get built. But I was working on that project. And I'm mentioning that because I don't know if it has something to do with this, this situation that occurred. But one day working on that project, I came home to my house. I was in South Florida at the time and I was just watching some sports updates on TV about nine, nine thirty. Not too late. I wasn't tired yet. It wasn't. exhausted the house had life in it you know my family was home my girls were in one side of the house my boys on another side of the house and at the time I was even married and my wife was in the master bedroom on the first floor about three rooms away and all of a sudden the, the room just kind of turned this lavender color and the tv shut down and I thought it was my boys you know playing some kind of trick practical joke whatever so I looked over my left shoulder to see them upstairs where they would be to see if they were there laughing or whatever there was nobody there when I turned back, there were two, what I would just call the typical gray aliens, right in front of my face. Um, and, you know, they had the, the big, weird almond shaped eyes, which I still can't tell if they were eyes or, or goggles or, or some type of protective thing because they almost looked like they were artificial. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that was something that was on them. They had these very, you know, short, dangly bodies. And I was sitting in a, in a, on a couch. And I'm six foot four. So, and they were up to my eye, you know, my, they were even with my head. So it's head to head. So they probably could have been, I don't know, no more than four feet tall, four and a half feet, maybe. Um, And they just started to do something that made my brain feel like it was shaking in my skull. Uh, You know, there was no telepathic words, there were no, you know, meaningful sentences that I could understand. It was just nothing but this noise and this incredible shake. I started screaming, and I couldn't even hear my own scream. Uh, And, uh, you know, it was weird because nobody in the house heard anything. After maybe 30 seconds max, I mean max, they turned around, and they just kind of dangled away. They kind of bounced. They don't really have a good walking gait. They don't walk like a normal person, at least what I perceived. It looked Mm -hmm. like a more of a, a bounce. But they went right through the wall. The room colors came back. The lights came back on. The TV came back. I ran all around the house. It scared the hell out of my family. Uh, I got no money out of this. I got no love out of this. All I ended up doing was uh, <laughs> crazy. You know, one of my sons is still, you know, still a little estranged from me from that one situation. It scared him so much that we're not really close to this day. I mean, you know, we talk and everything and we see each other for holidays and stuff, but it's not like that same way that it used to be. He was, you know, told me he was scared to come to my house, you know, after I moved and everything else. he it was the things in my house, you know, it just scared him. So, and, and I ended up getting a divorce and everything else. So it was no, no profit out of this situation, which is why I didn't talk about it for a very long time. But now it's really important, I think, for people to really, you know, understand it. But the thing that happened was this phrase was burnt into my brain and I have to blame it on this situation because it happened right after. I kept hearing worldwide telescope, worldwide telescope, worldwide telescope in my mind over and over and over and over. So I said, okay, I don't know what's going on. I went and got on a computer and i typed in worldwide telescope on excite.com cuz back then you know google wasn't fully you know the number one thing yet, right uh thing that popped up and i was like wow and so i clicked on it and it was uh it was a a website that has that houses all of the the the, the web probe data from apollo missions and from mars missions and Uh, missions, uh, you know, out into the galaxy, the Hubble Space Telescope imagery, and all this stuff was all in there. And I was like, what is this? I was kind of drawn to Mars because, you know, the color. I clicked on Mars. Then I went to um, uh, Panoramas. And then from Panoramas, I saw all the different rovers. I said, okay, I don't know. Opportunity. I clicked on opportunity. I go on opportunity. I'm looking around. You can You can pan left and right. You can, you know, you can zoom in and out and everything else. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. This is like from the perspective that the rover captured the the images and everything. I guess they stitched them together. And but right away, I started seeing anomalies, but not just any type of anomalies. Things that I in my brain remind me of things that would be on Earth in ancient times, like ancient temples and the way that the stone blocks would fit together in Peru and things like that. And I was like, what the hell is this stuff doing up here? Even saw a couple of and or things, I could say, that look like onks. Not that they are onks, They look like them, right? Mm -hmm. And so that took me down the whole rabbit hole into ancient civilizations deeper. I was already into them, but reading about them. But I wasn't deep into trying to make the connection between ancient civilizations and potentially ancient advanced civilizations that could have been more advanced than we are today. And that's really how I got all the way into this whole thing. Wow. My gosh. Crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Crazy (laughs) story.
0: Wow. wow. I Thank you so much for sharing that too, man. That's, it, it, it's gosh, and like, there's so many different things here, you know, obviously, you know, with the compendium of the Emerald tablets and, you know, even down to what first class space agency that you're doing yeah. as well. So yeah. clearly wide spectrum uh, of, of interest, but do you feel like you're doing something, I guess, purposeful?
1: Yeah. Yeah, you know? absolutely. I mean, that's the key. Yeah. What I feel like I'm doing is I'm helping mankind to rediscover, you know, who they truly are. Uh, I think that the reason why this information has become so passionate to me, the knowledge that I've been able to gain over the years. And then as it really went super deep from you know, about 12, 13 years ago now, I guess it's 12 years ago now going on 13 soon. Um, I feel that if we had this, if everybody could really, truly understand what I know and what, what I've been able to, to grasp that all the things that divide us will fall apart. You know, all the divide and conquer tactics, racism and politics and religion would collapse. Economic systems that are designed to financially enslave people would collapse. Uh, You know, I think it's important to understand that the past is prologue. And if we could find out really what truly happened in the past and how great and incredible that past truly was, that what we're looking at in sci-fi movies is more like, real life, used to be real life, and that right now, this is this mundane prison planet. Hmm. And I think that if we can really, you know, if I can help in any way, in the tiniest bit to help bring humanity to really, truly understand how incredible we are, where we come from, what we can do, and how we can rebuild a much better and stronger future uh, and free ourselves from this mental and physical bondage, I think that we'll have a golden age that can maybe even sustain itself.
0: I love that. Do you feel like we're maybe on the precipice of self discovery again? That maybe we're on a point now where, you know, 10, 20 years ago, people weren't having these kinds of conversations to the
1: extent that people are now? Mm -hmm. Oh, we're real close now. People will look at the current situation and go, oh man, this is, you know, we're not even close. There's all kind of stuff going on, you know, Ukraine and blah, 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 and the sickness going around the planet. Uh, But what they have to understand is, This stuff is not getting worse. It's only becoming more obvious. These things have been going on for a very long time. But what is happening is the amount of people talking about these things in a constructive way, not just whining and complaining anymore. But there's a lot of people taking action to create solutions. And the key is I'm starting to find solutions, providers, solutions to problems that exist for humanity. And the more I look, the more people I find trying to provide solutions. The more I look, the more people I hear talking and asking more in-depth questions, not just surface questions, not just listening letting go one ear, not the other, but actually trying to understand some of these deeper issues, topics, wisdom, and even trying to really understand what is the nature of our reality and what type of a matrix system are we under with this, with the governments and, and the institutions that have been put in place to really uh, enslave us. They're really starting to dig deep into really how is this here and why and who. They're asking all kinds of great questions now. So we're right at the edge of the real great awakening. I think we're at the beginning stages where people are going to be begin to really wake up in the mass massive amounts as we head into the age of Aquarius.
0: Awesome. I love that. And you talk about like your purposeful mission that you're doing. My word saying mission, so I apologize. But okay. when, you t- when you talk about that, like, you know, prison planet or that mental enslavement, in finding solutions. I love that you're talking about financial literacy. Yeah. You have to, you know, it's, it's so crucial. I mean, common stuff that wasn't taught in a curriculum when we were in school or even the children in school today. (laughs)
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, I had no idea what even check, what even was until I was 16, Mm -hmm. you know, and even then I didn't know how to fill it out. Uh, and you know, I was an athlete and everything else. And my guidance counselor was too busy In my neighborhood, you know, trying to sleep with all the girls, (laughs) high school girls, instead of worrying about trying to get me into a college. So uh, that's the kind of environment. And so, you know, and even just not me, but in even other areas and other even in nicer areas, there just wasn't a true literacy being taught. It was like a few people would come rise up to those higher levels in understanding financial literacy. But the masses, the majority of the people really never truly grasped all the intricacies and all the ins and outs on the loopholes. And so that put us it kind of put this imaginary cap over our heads thinking, oh, go to work eight hours a day, you know, 40 hours a week. And you get you get a couple hours on the weekend. And, you know, that's the kind of programming that was put into us. Uh, and I just said, "You know, this has to come to an end, because luckily for me, I found financial literacy early. I made a lot of mistakes along the way, trying to get there, but I really ended up learning it. I learned it the hard way uh, because I really went through a lot of trial and error. But I never gave up, you know, even when I failed once or twice or three times, I just kept going at it and I researched and I studied and I read books and i and then eventually I got to the point where I was taking classes and And, you know, there's a lot of free online courses. When when the internet came about, I was digging into all of it. And that really, you know, shrunk my world when it came to finances. I started studying economies all over the planet. And I was like, wow, okay, I get it now. Now I said to myself, hmm, if we're going to, as a people, take back control of this planet, we need financially literate people. Because why? We're living in a financial matrix, and for us to try to ignore it and think it's not real, so for us to think that we can think it away, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or or we can just act like it doesn't apply to us is a, is a falsehood. And what it does to us, it leaves a lot of us trapped with all this knowledge and all this wisdom and no way to spread the information, no way to actually execute any solutions. Providing solutions costs money. That's what I found out. <laughs> Providing solutions, you know, my web, my, my uh, Forbidden Knowledge TV, okay. Every single month, that's costing me about fifteen to 20,000, depending on the month right now. And I'm not even massive yet. I mean, imagine when I get massive, it could be 80, 90, 100,000 a month in fees that I have to pay for, for the streaming service. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my mobile apps cost money. Every year, I got to spend another $40,000 to keep the app serviced and, you know, all these things to get this wisdom out. Books, you know, this book is 688 pages. That costs 14 bucks to print each book. And I so I got to print hundreds of books because they sell so fast. I got to put that out up front and then wait for the money to come back from sales. So it costs money to, 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 to bring consciousness to the planet. And so we have to, I, I felt like we have to stop thinking that we can, you know, we can hoard wisdom and knowledge and we can just talk amongst ourselves and somehow magically things are gonna change. No, creating real change is gonna is gonna require financial literacy. People that have means, people in positions of power that we infiltrate from the inside, and then we explode it from the inside out. In other words, exploding it meaning that we go in and we change systems, we modify systems little by little until until we can get it to where it's really pointed back at helping the people, not the the elite oligarchs. So that's why financial literacy is so important.
0: Absolutely, one hundred percent, and so well articulated. It, it, absolutely, it's, and that's why it's it's. I guess it's such a a wonderful thing with, especially with woke doesn't mean broke, like for people, especially now with everything going on economically, everything going on with, you know, this seemingly spiritual movement where people are opening up their minds and hearts to consciousness.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's the perfect timing for this. We are now on the precipice of potentially seeing the, the death of the fiat currency, you know, as we're moving into crypto and NFTs, you know, yeah. I mean, uh, and so we're it's right at the right time to say, look, I need to understand this stuff. You know, there's still people out here. If you walk up to them and say, hey, give me a one paragraph summary of what an NFT is, they can't answer you. You know, give me a one paragraph summary of how the blockchain works. They can't answer you. You know what I mean? So we need to really get this information out to the people. They need to learn this information and and, and download it. Also, how do you create a legacy for your family? How do you build legacy? While we're still in the matrix, this financial matrix, which may be here for some, quite some time until it completely shifts into something else, how do you create legacy for your family members? Not working for yourself, but how do you work for future generations? How do you create something for them so that the system that, that's, that's designed to enslave is not as brutal on them, that so they can maneuver and utilize some of the teachings that you hand down to keep the whole process moving forward towards the golden age. And so, you know, people feel, you know, sometimes people go like, one person told me the other day, I'm not worried about this financial stuff. You know what I'm saying? Because, you know, when I die, I'm out of here and I can't take it with me. I said, you're right. You can't take it with you. It's not about you. It's about your kids and your kids' kids and your kids' kids after that. What can you leave behind for them so that they don't have to struggle and stay with this in uh, invisible, you know, blockage over their head that's keeping them boxed in and, and stopping them from really getting out and maneuvering to a higher level. Because what's happening is, generation to generation, we just keep really doing a disservice to our future, you know, our, our future offspring. You know, my parents are both dead, and neither one of them left me a penny. I'm, mean, in fact, everybody turned to me to, you know, cover the cost of the, of their funerals and everything else. You know, the, the, you know, so it's like, wow, there's nothing here. And nothing but debt, <laughs> and I've had so many people come to me. You know, I need a GoFundMe page because so and so just died. Can you put up a? Can you share my GoFundMe link because my my da- my daughter just died. My dad just died. And I'm like, man, how 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 can we keep falling into this trap? You know, nobody has whole life insurance policies. Nobody understands how that works. Nobody understands compound interest savings accounts. Nobody understands any of this. So I said, listen, we got to make a change. <laughs> we got to get this knowledge to the people because right now it's holding us back from really taking control of this planet
0: 100% and you bring up so many great points we have people who are literally working 40 50 hours a week they're away from their families you know maybe they're paying a mortgage maybe they're paying a rent maybe they're single families and yeah. they're trying to make ends meet and they've got seemingly nothing to show for it
1: yeah yeah you know when i when i retire i'll travel <laughs> I traveled the world so many times, you've probably seen, I've been all over the world three times I've been around now. And I'm in, uh, I'm in, uh, where was I? I think I was in, um, it was Peru. I was in the Sacred Valley. Mm. Now that's at about, that's only about maybe 10,000 feet above sea level. It's not really that high, maybe 12, maybe 12 at the max, right? I've been higher than that, but the oxygen is thin there. You got to be in shape. And I'm looking at these retirees trying to make this trek, and they're struggling and they're stopping and one guy's sitting down and the other one needs help to come take him back down. And I'm like, wow, you know, a lot of people are waiting to 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 get to that age is to travel because that's the only time they think they're free now because they've, they slaved their entire lives. Now it's too late to really enjoy the trips. You can't fully enjoy the trip. You can't. I'm up here running around and jumping around Machu Picchu, jumping over rocks and stones. People are up there. They can't even make it to the top. And, you know, it's because of their age. And, you know, so I want to enjoy it now while I still have a little energy left in me. And so even just that, the understanding that traveling the world and just seeing new things is, you know, they're holding you back from even doing that, waiting till you almost dead to try to live. And you got a good 10 years, you can try to do something, but you're not 100% of who you truly were, you know, when you had great limbs and your back didn't hurt and your knees were good and your lungs were powerful. So, yeah, we have to really, man, we just have to understand that trying to get things accomplished when you within a time frame that you can actually live and enjoy life. And I'm not saying everybody's going to be an entrepreneur and everybody's going to work for themselves, but there's things that you can do while you're working for a company that can ensure your financial future investments that you can make moves that you can make uh, ways that you can create uh, additional income streams for yourself while you work your, your nine to five, so to speak, that will uh, also create that legacy and give you some freedom to do amazing things while you are still working for that nine to five. So it's all about understanding how to maneuver through this matrix.
0: And I love that point. When you talk about even just having passive income streams where, you know, people, maybe you're starting to finally, maybe open their minds up to it and maybe start realizing, Oh, I could do these things. And I feel like so many people get stuck in this. They want to do something, but they mm-hmm. never execute it. And yes. I, I, it and I've I've always lived with the adage and my my parents instilled this in me is like the word done, the first two letters is do. So you have to put it into action. <laughs> I love it. You know. Yes. Yeah, so, exactly. In your opinion, your experience, based on some of the, you know, ancient knowledge and sacred texts, what kind of information do you feel you could share with individuals who might be stuck in that wanting to do something but can't necessarily make that step?
1: Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, if you look even at the ancient Sumerian uh, tablets, the cuneiform tablets and the Akkadian tablets, you have the uh, the Anunnaki in there. And uh, these are the people that Sumerians looked up to. Sometimes they called them gods. Sometimes they called them their lords. But these were just people. They weren't any kind of creator of the universe. They were just people that had more knowledge. Uh, and But these beings, uh, I like to call them advanced beings instead of aliens. What they did was they used to have something they called ordainers of destiny. And they would literally uh, say that they would create their own reality. They would have an idea or a concept of what they wanted to envision for their future and their kingship and everything else and even the planet. And then they would say, I'm going to put these things in, in order. This is like a goal setting, this situation in ancient times to make sure that these things fall into place so that I can fulfill and create my own reality tunnel is what they're saying. And so they would call themselves the ordainers of destiny and they would set up all these goals and benchmarks and all these plans and they would nudge different people in different ways to direct them in the in the way that they want everything to turn out for themselves. And I'm like, "Wow, that's incredible." What they really were doing is, you know, I'm not Saying it was good in terms of what how it did for human beings, but understanding the concepts of how they were planning and plotting for eons in the future. And that's what I took from them. I said, wow, understanding that they're not planning for what's going to happen tomorrow, next week, next month, not even next year. They're creating what they want to see on the planet for all time. One of them said, and Lil says, I'm creating the plan for all time, you know, on this planet. And so I realized, wow. The true oligarchs have learned from these beings. They've taken that information. They've taken those concepts and they've begin to plan for all time, for, for eons. You look at Mitsubishi. Mitsubishi has a 250-year business plan. Mitsubishi, they plan for 250 years. They know exactly when they're going to earn, when they're going to earn it, how much it's going to be, what their profits are going to be, what their company is going to be into technologically at those times, where it's going to spread out to, what streams of additional income it's going to have what mergers and everything else for 250 years. And so what it's telling me is we as people, we have the templates all around us. All we have to do is take these ancient templates of wisdom and apply it to our own lives and begin to sit down and take some real time. Because making a plan for a thousand years or 250 years, it takes time. It's not going to happen overnight. You got to get some paper out, get a good old fashioned pen out and start writing down all the things about what you're passionate about You got to start writing about writing down all the things that you not only are passionate about, but how some of those passionate things. How good am I at some of these passionate things? And some of them that you don't know anything about. Am I willing to take some time to study and learn the things that I really am interested in and analyze those things? Start strategizing and putting together a plan for yourself and say, okay, this these are the top four things. I'm going to go after these things because I found out that there's a need for those things in the world. And if I can provide a need for these things that I'm passionate about, the side effect of that, of me providing my my, my passion to these people, is going to be money in my bank account, because money is just an energy exchange. Money means, money has no real value except for consciousness applied value, and once you understand that, you say, okay, great. Let me create. Uh, let me find a, a need for my passion. Let me create something that can provide that need, and then what you're going to do is create yourself a plan. Create a three year. A two year, a one year, three year, and a five year plan, and then reverse engineer that plan. Go from the top five years all the way back, every little step you need to have along the way to to achieve that next benchmark. So you reverse engineer your own plans. That's what I do. I reverse engineer my plans. I go back from the top all the way back to one, and then I just do what I have to do. I take that first step, that jump off the cliff, and if you don't spread your wings, you know you're going to hit the bottom. <laughs> you know, and so sometimes it just takes that. That faith in yourself, the faith in yourself, not in the outside source, not begging some outside source to come and save you and help you, but understanding you have to have faith in yourself and your own talents and capabilities. And when people really fully understand that and begin to put time and effort into their own plans, they'll feel more confident in taking a step off that cliff. Because if they did all the planning ahead of time and they worked on it themselves ahead of time and figured out everything out ahead of time. It's going to be a lot easier to take that first step.
0: Wow. It's 100% aligned with all of that. Oh, my gosh. And why, I mean, obviously, it's systemic, I think, with all of the different distractions that may come around into people's lives. But why is it so difficult for people to have faith in themselves and to maybe experience the knowledge of I am? Yeah.
1: Well, that's robbed from us at birth. You know, so when you're born, you're given a name, a race and a religion, I like I like to say a name, a race and a religion. And you spend the rest of your life defending a false identity. Uh, You know, so you're stolen. it's all stolen at birth. And so with the first seven years of a person's life is where the most impressionable years are are lived. And if your impressionable years are full of uh, stop this, don't do that, taking things away from you, uh, stand in line, sit here. You know, do this, don't do that, read this. You're this race, you're this color, you're this name, you're this uh religion, and you do this and that, and those people they're not like you because they're they're different, and all that programming comes in. And then the next thing you know, we're taught right away that everything is on the outside. We're taught that this mouse is real and that this phone is real, you know, you know, and that that they're separate from us mm-hmm. when in true reality. Everything, including the atoms in this phone, are connected to the atoms even in my body. There is no separation between me and the phone. But we're not taught that, so we're taught to rely on outside sources, outside assistance, and outside even spiritual deities on the outside to come and rescue us and help us. And uh, and if, if something happens that is uh, that that you know it seems like you you ask for something and it happened, in most cases it's a coincidence. And you feel like, oh, I got saved. But as soon as something you ask for something that doesn't happen, you know, oh, I'm a bad person. I don't deserve these things. I sinned and all these kind of concepts come to mind. Everything you were taught, it's all programming. There was a famous uh, story in the Bible where Jesus was talking to the disciples. And uh, there were some women walking down the street next to an old dilapidated structure. There was a lot of wind that day. It was a very windy day. And some of the stones from the top of that building came down from the wind and crushed those women as they were walking by. And the disciples yelled out, they were with sin. They were with sin. And Jesus kind of turned around and said so many words. Look, man, they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. You know what I'm saying? And so he's trying to tell you guys from a long time ago, no, it's not. You're getting too much. You're doing too much. It's really about here and in here. And so, you know, every ancient text I've read, all these ancient civilizations I've looked into and dug into, all the ancient sages I've met with, the Bushmen, the Aboriginal elders and all these people I've gone to see, they all say the same thing. It's all inside of us. The power is inside of us. And so once people can just peel away that false identity and start to look inside, sit down and then begin to listen to themselves and when a person gets to the point that they've meditated and studied themselves so much and read enough self-help books and, and really worked on themselves, they're going to see one amazing thing happen. The voice in their head that they've been thinking was a voice from somebody else or some other entity in their head talking to them, they're going to realize that one day they're going to realize the voice is their own voice. When that voice morphs into your own voice, you've reached a very high level, my friend. Wow.
0: And I think that's, oh, gosh, you know, when you think about that, you, when you recognize your own voice and you're finally hearing your voice and you know your voice, that goes to the old adage of know thyself. That's it. You know?
1: That's it, man. <laughs> that's exactly it. Yeah. Because the same divine spark that created everything in the universe is in our body. And so we are God and God is us. It's, it's one and the same. You know, it doesn't mean that we're out here waving our hand and creating planets Right. But what it does mean is that the power of that same spiritual energy, that life force that created everything in the universe is inside of us. So by that retrospect, we have a certain level of that fractal of power because the universe we know is a fractal holographic universe. We have a fractal as above, so below. If you take a hologram and take a tiny piece out of that hologram, you'll see the entire hologram in the smallest piece. That's what we are. We are a small fractal of a magnificent Hologram that is imbued with spiritual energy, and because of that, we have a certain amount of power that we can wield, that we can command into existence. But we don't. We're, we're told that doing that. Oh no, don't do that. You're gonna, you, you. That's Satan worship, and you're trying to, you're trying to say that you're better than God. And no, I'm saying that God gave me this power, and I'm going to use it. You know, and so it's a different way of thinking. Absolutely.
0: And do you feel like? Maybe, especially with some people recently getting into, you know, manifestation and, and learning some of those things that maybe some people are missing the mark.
1: Yeah, there's people missing the mark because the new, you know, the term manifestation is a it's not new, but it's being used a lot more. Right. You know, and I started my manifest destiny courses about three and a half years ago now, uh, and they've been very, very successful. One of the things I try to tell people in my courses is that manifesting is hard work, <laughs> And a lot of these manifesting websites and manifesting apps and everything else—they have people, even the memes now. Manifesting memes—they have people thinking: if you click this meme, you're going to have money in your account tomorrow. If you if you listen to this tone, it's going to be a great day for you, and nothing's going to happen, and all these kind of crazy things. And so it it, it makes people think that all they have to do is just show up and close their eyes and think hard, and t- boom, it just happens. It's not that easy. Okay, sometimes it could be, but the majority mm-hmm. of the time. It takes real work. And so we've also been, because humanity as a whole, not everyone, but as a whole, uh, we generally like instantaneous results. We've been taught instant results, instant results. That's what we want, especially here in America. And so all of a sudden you want to shortcut the whole system and you just want to think and being it is there, but it's not the way it works. You literally have to work. Manifesting is, is a process that takes mastering. You have to become the student, then the student becomes the teacher, then the teacher becomes the master. There's no other way around that. And so you be you can become a master manifester, but it's going to take a lot of time developing your skills and your talents and understanding the science and physics even behind it. That's why I spend a lot of time. Some of my classes on those manifesting, they're six hours, eight hours. This last one was 12 hours. It's more than just thinking and happening magically happening. There's a process that goes on behind the veil that I like to you know, have people learn. But unfortunately, a lot of people who haven't, you don't know, even know I don't know I exist, <laughs> they're going by a lot of these uh, you know, these things online that just have happen disillusioned.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's you know tough. I mean, everybody th- thinks back to, you know, when the book The Secret came out or the the, the documentary, and and it just <laughs> that's where people just roll from there and then they just yeah. have a, a different conception of what it is.
1: Right, right. Exactly. It hit it right on the head. That 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 kind of skewed you know, uh, what really happens and how to really become a master manifester. Uh, So, you know, that's why I started teaching those classes.
0: That's awesome. And what are some of the other things, like different curriculums and courses and some of the other things that you offer on your website?
1: Oh, yeah, I've got quite a few. I'm doing a, well, I just did an NFT and blockchain masterclass, part one, the other day for free. I realized it was so much information, I'm going to have to do three parts. So I'm going to come back and do another uh, part in a couple of weeks. We're gonna probably announce that date tomorrow or the day after. And then I'll come back another two weeks after that and do part three. Uh, I'm also doing a cryptocurrency masterclass. Uh, I'm doing a forbidden book workshop. So I'm gonna show all the forbidden books. Uh, most of them are here in my house. and I'm gonna have a stacks and stacks of books all around <laughs> me. I'm gonna start picking up books and actually showing, this, is the, this book is this, and this is why it's important to have it. And this is what's inside this book. You know, it's just really walked through a lot of my books that I have over a thousand books. Um, And then uh, I'm also doing a a workshop on inventions by African-Americans. A lot of people don't know things that are invented. It's on Juneteenth, which is, you know, a freedom day for for black people in America. So what I'm going to do is a special invention workshop for some inventions that are so never talked about that people don't know exist. These are all free workshops on Forbidden Knowledge TV. Uh, I'm doing a workshop on spirituality versus religion. So I'm going to be talking about. Religion and spirituality and the difference between the two and, you know, why I chose spirituality and what the, what the actual implications are, uh, you know, with religion versus spirituality. I'm not going to be bashing religion. I'm going to be pointing out. I like to point out what I call our facts that can be looked up and researched for people for oneself and just showing people that what they've been thinking is religion is, uh, is spirituality is actually not spirituality. Spirituality and religion are two separate things; they don't coexist together, and so I want to show people that, and so they can understand. Like, if you're really seeking a spiritual path, let me show you the the difference between the two. Uh, So, I have that one coming up. I have the top fifty anomalies on Mars workshop coming up, which I'm going to be showing some of the most incredible images from the Mars rover data from Perseverance rover, Curiosity rover, Opportunity, Spirit, um, and it's going to be mind blowing stuff. I'm going to show people these these, uh, anomalies, but I'm also going to take them to Mars. We're going to take a journey to that first website that I found from that, whatever the heck that was, that that, that encounter, Worldwide Telescope. I'm going to take them up into Mars, and I'm going to actually bring some of the attendees on live with me and ask them what they're looking at, what they think they see. It's going to be like a more of an interactive workshop that's also free. Uh, And I've got my Woke. Doesn't Mean Broke Workshop, which is uh, coming up uh, April the 10th. Woke Doesn't Mean Broke Workshop Financial Literacy Course. And that's going to be free as well. That's on April the 10th. All these are on ForbiddenKnowledge.com. You can go to my TV network from there. And um, once a person subscribes, they get access to dozens of free workshops. I used to charge money for these. Now they're all for free.
0: Incredible. What, What made you decide to just share this knowledge for free?
1: You know, I got to a point where I have enough things going on financially. Uh, you know, I've got so many other investments outside of, uh, you know, the TV network and other NFTs. and then That's the relatively new stuff. I've been running a lot of different investments for a very long time. Mm. And I said, I really want to build this TV network. I want to make it huge. I want to have thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of hundred thousand, maybe even a million subscribers. And the best way to do that, to cultivate that, is to put as much content on there as I possibly can. High quality content. Uh, deeply sought after content hmm. and i realized that a lot of people sometimes they can't afford 150 200 bucks to, to sit there for a workshop on a weekend if I, but they can afford to have a subscription for 7 dollars a month to watch dozens of workshops a year it saves them thousands of dollars they get the knowledge and the wisdom mm-hmm. the network grows they're happy because they can spread information and knowledge they become smarter wiser they become better contributors to the consciousness movement and i said to me it's a win win for everybody I love that. And
0: it's such a universal way of looking at it too, you know, and it's, it's, it's also parlaying all of that sacred information and knowledge and to your point earlier, you know, sharing that so that we're not stuck here. that Just that, you know, pseudo prison planet, you know. Right. Exactly. uh, You have any, uh, any live events coming up now, um, now that things are kind of getting a little bit more normalized in the world?
1: I'm working on some now. We have one coming in June. I'm going to do a live movie premiere. And so my documentary, The Black Knight Satellite Untold Story documentary is in post-editing. Finally, after two years of working on it, I got the the sickness delayed it, obviously. Mm -hmm. We finally wrapped and it's in post-editing. And so it'll be done in April. Uh, And so in May, I mean, yeah, it's going to be in May. I'm sorry, it's going to be a May premiere. So sometime in May, there'll be a premiere. We're going to announce the date soon. It'll be at a movie theater in Detroit, and uh, there'll be a red carpet. We'll do photos and all that kind of great stuff. And I'll talk a little bit, answer questions, and we'll watch the premiere. I think that theater can hold 240 people, I believe. Nice. Uh, so that's going to be great. And then uh, I'm going to actually go to a couple other uh, premiere locations around the country, some of the bigger states that are, that are based on my analytics, from my, my following. We'll do some premieres there. So those will be all announced very, very soon. Uh, also I'm going to be doing a Ted talk. Uh, I believe that's going to be in May. I was well or March. It was May. One of these, I got so many things, but it's going to be sometime coming up soon. (laughs) I just got that date today. I was like, wow, this is going to be amazing. And that's going to be in Miami, which is great for me because I don't have to get on an airplane. I can go right down the street, (laughs) you know? And so we'll announce that. And I think that theater can hold about 400 people, you know, so, uh, it's, it's free free to get in so we're going to announce that very very soon i'll do my ted talk there which is going to be amazing because i've been wanting to get on ted talk for a long time you know honest i would have thought by now i i, I thought for sure you would have had one so that just warmed yeah. my soul to hear yeah that yeah me too i was like wow this is finally happening you know i've been trying for like three years and uh uh you know multiple times a year but finally uh, it's going to happen so that's great oh. uh and then we have i have some private uh I have a private mystery, mystery school that I'm setting up for NFT owners. So people that own my NFTs, if they meet the qualifications of the NFTs that I have set up on the website on forbiddenclub.com with the number four forbidden club, uh, there'll be some private uh, mystery school teachings, private lectures, uh, some mentoring, as well as I'm going to be announcing some 2023 trips to different destinations, ancient sites that they'll be allowed to come on as well for owning the NFT. So setting all that up now. So, yeah, I'm getting back out there, man. And, you know, getting ready to meet face to face.
0: That's awesome. That's yeah. great. And, and so what are the main websites that folks can be sure to
1: check out? Well, we got forbiddenknowledge.com with the number four. We have forbiddenclub.com with the number four. That's where the NFTs are. Uh, and also on uh forbiddenknowledge.tv. We have all of our 5,400 or whatever the number is now, uh, TV shows, documentaries, movies, and movie shorts. Uh, And all the new TV series are all being put up there now. Uh, Richard Dolan's got a series up there. Eric Eric Von Daniken. My new series, Ender Night History, is airing very soon. We've got a a psychotherapy show called Mind Over Matter, which is in post-editing. Decoders of Truth, which I'm also on that cast which is in post-editing. Just a, a plethora of new shows coming up that's going to be mind-blowing, high-quality, highly-produced content on the like the mainstream Discovery Channel level of quality production. That's awesome. I'm I'm so excited for you. It's earned and deserved, my friend. really is. Appreciate it,
0: man. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Uh, and people can find you on Instagram as well, too, right? They can follow you on a couple different spots.
1: Yeah, on Instagram, Forbidden Knowledge. Also, Facebook, Twitter, uh, TikTok, all forbidden forbidden knowledge as well just with the number four and you can also find me on those same platforms under billy Carson as well I've, you know and uh i've been fortunate enough to build up enough of a popularity where all of those accounts are all blue check verified i gotta say that because there's scammers out there so yeah. if you don't see it on the blue check you know except if some of my smaller accounts like forbidden tv and my book compendium of normal tablets account but the big accounts you know are verified. So it's important to know that don't, you know, don't get tricked by any these crazy DMs going around. <laughs> right. Yeah. And happening more and more. <laughs> yeah. and, and I saw, I saw a
0: post there, uh, some video production going on for that song.
1: Oh yes. Oh yeah. We just filmed the, uh, for a woke, woke don't mean broke remix. So that's the name of the song. Woke don't mean broke. Um, and we had, we had a song come out about a year ago called woke don't mean broke the original. That made the charts. It was high on the charts, but it was still hit the top 100 in the independent chart. Uh, and the top, I think it was like one 148, 150 or something like that in the uh, in the global uh, global chart. But now Woke Don't Mean Broke Remix is now playing over 2000 times a week on radio. It's playing on Sirius Satellite, Shade 45, MMs uh, radio station as well. And uh, we just got charting plaques. We literally just got a plaque for it. Let me see if it's right here. I think it's right here. And um, yeah. Uh, start plaque, <laughs> man. We hit number five on the top, glo- uh, was it the global, yeah, global top 150 airplay chart. And so Gosh. that was pretty dope. And so we got, just shot a music video for it this weekend with King Crooked, who was a famous rapper from Slaughterhouse. Uh, Donnie Arcade, who I've been working with for a while, he's also a billboard artist. Uh, and Lady Luck, uh, who's a phenomenal, phenomenal artist for many, many years. She's a legend, a living, a living legend. And so uh, we, the music video will be on MTV, BET. So again, we're bringing the conscious concept of financial literacy with a good, clean song, telling people about living good. And it's OK to live good. It's OK to be spiritual. It's OK to have financial literacy. And we're bringing it all together and trying to take it to the mainstream and get to the kids where they are.
0: Billy, I love it. I love everything you're doing, my friend. Appreciate it. (laughs) Thank you for just sharing your space, your time, your energy, and just your love with, with everything you're doing. My pleasure, man, my pleasure. I absolutely loved that conversation with Billy. Thank you so much, Billy, for taking your time and your energy. We talked about so much in that episode. We talked about Billy's personal encounter experience and how that led him down this wonderful path of helping humanity rediscover ourselves and how truly powerful we are. We talked about Billy's two best-selling books, The Compendium of the Emerald Tablets, as well as his newest book, Woke Doesn't Mean Broke, where we talk about the importance of financial literacy and how we can free ourselves from this mental and physical bondage. We talked about the live movie premiere coming up in May for Billy's documentary, The Black Knight Satellite, The Untold Story. And we even talked about his upcoming TED Talk, which he'll be releasing that information very shortly at four. That's the number four, forbiddenknowledge.com. We also talked about the private mystery school lectures and talks that he'll be conducting for forbidden knowledge NFT owners. And you can find that information, as well as information about the NFTs, at four forbiddenclub.com. We also talked about his new venture that he's recently launched, Forbidden Knowledge TV, a new conscious streaming television network available on all major platforms. You can find that at forbiddenknowledge.tv. Be sure to follow Forbidden Knowledge on Instagram. Again, that's the number four, Forbidden Knowledge. And be sure to look for that blue check and avoid all those scammers out there. You can also find Billy on Instagram himself at Billy Carson. Once again, I can't thank Billy enough for sharing his time, his energy, and his spirit with us here today. If you're watching this episode, be sure to hit that like button and take a moment and subscribe to the channel. Hit that notification bell so you can find out about the next show when it comes out. If you're listening to this podcast, please take a moment and rate it. You can find us on Instagram at itd.jcosta, as well as on Twitter at itd_jcosta. underscore And until next time, take care of one another and keep thinking for yourself.